Well, hello, and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. Today, we're talking the cardinal virtues. We'll see you in a moment. Welcome back, and this is Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here with my wife, Teresa. Say, Hi. Say hello. Say. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and thank you for joining us for another discussion um, about you know the ordinary aspects of every, everyday life. We try to live out with purpose, uh, in imitation of Christ. We're trying to pull out little ways uh, that we can elevate those ordinary things, because God sends us all that ordinariness for a purpose, for a reason. So thanks for joining us for another discussion. With all the virtues, I think many of us come at them, um, we've heard different piles of virtues presented to us, different lists, different talks, I've memorized whatever. so many lists of words that I don't understand. But they just seem unsystematic and kind of un, unstructured. And, and so they don't ever kind of find a place of significance in our lives because we don't know where they fit and how they fit together. And I, I think I, I kind of related last time how it was discovering Joseph Pieper's book on the cardinal virtues. He presented St. Thomas Aquinas's approach to the cardinal virtues, you know, the, kind of the Middle Ages, the, the scholastics, how they saw it. And it was remarkable to me that there was such a, a science of it. And it was actually remarkably simple, but they have a very specific structure. And we talked last time about prudence because, as he, he pointed out, something that I found very surprising, which is that not just prudence is one of them, or even the most special. Prudence is the mother and mold of all mm-hmm. uh, moral virtue, and that's really significant. You know that if it, it starts with our our reasoning, it starts with our facing reality, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was going to reread that quote. Well, oh, go, go ahead. So, so first, when you started getting into the virtues, yeah. you know, you're a philosopher. I'm a historian. You started talking about words and their definitions, and I was just <laughs> kind of like, eh. I'm so excited. He's excited about this. <laughs> But it it wasn't very interesting to me until you started presenting me with these definitions of the virtues that I was shocked to hear and that I actually took into my everyday mother, housewife, like daily interaction tasks. And I was thinking of the definition of justice and it was actually affecting my everyday life. Right. Um, I'm still working on uh, fortitude and temperance, but we're going to have an episode on patience. But that one, that the the definition of patience, patience blew my mind. Yeah. And similar with justice. So let's get into justice. Yeah. Okay. So um, again, we talked last time about, about prudence. It's the starting point. We turn to face reality. And prudence is this process of tr- basically translating reality into act. You know, you, you've been saying a right response to reality. Mm-hmm. Prudence it's a nice, is a right simple, response to reality. It's a great little way to think about it. Because what are the components of that? It's a response. It's about action. But it's, a, it's all about reality. Oftentimes when we're, when we're finding diffi- it's difficult to make decisions, it's because we're not really stepping back and trying to see what's real here. What's mm-hmm. really the right thing to do. Not what I, what I want or what's expected of me. What's really the right thing. So with all that in mind... Um, if we think of these as a structure, you kind of think prudence is the mother, prudence uh, is the head of this structure. The next step, the, the main reality that prudence attends to in terms of discerning reaction is justice. Um, so that's the next step on, on this structure, prudence turning to the reality, the reality of justice. Now, 
what what is justice? The simplest way to sum that up is justice is giving to each what is owed them, giving to each his due. Mm-hmm. And obviously, first that would be God, right? Right. right. And so, so, yeah. No, we just we owe our first to justice to God, and everything kind of flows from that. Right. Right. Yeah. As a virtue, yeah, we're we're, um, we're we're looking at our life, we're looking at our existence, and we're asking. Justice is a really relational virtue. It's all about I have these relationships with other persons, yeah. relationship with with my creator, a relationship with my parents, a relationship with my spouse, with my children, my friends, coworkers, people I owe money to, you know, mm-hmm. my state, you know, my my country. There's all these these relationships, and they they place certain responsibilities, certain debts on us, um, and so justice is first of all recognizing those, and then trying to carry them out. Mm-hmm. I had always seen justice as a negative like a right. negative ode right. like someone has done something wrong and justice must be done mm-hmm. um and really when you gave me the the reality that all of our justice is due to god like it it just opened like it, it was like it was like a flower opening mm-hmm. and i saw all the different ways that i was acting out justice or injustice yeah. in my life and it and it be, it moved from like the motivation of justice is hating you hate mm-hmm. this thing that has been done bad um, to this gorgeous motivation of justice as being, I have endless gratitude for this debt I cannot repay. Yeah. And that this gr- it is the gratitude rather than hatred of the injustice that is then motivating me. Right. You know, and you, you do see this a lot, I think, especially when we're young. Yeah. Um, you see an injustice and you hate it and you want to attack it and you want to make things just. Mm-hmm. But rarely is justice flowing out of gratitude. Right. A gratitude from what you've received or like your cultural indebtedness or your education or whatever. Like it's, it's, it's rarely out of, ju- out of um out of gratitude that yeah. we follow through with justice. Yeah, there's a crucial distinction to be made. Oftentimes when our when our culture talks about justice, when we're thinking about justice, there's two ways to maybe think about justice. There's sort of an external objective sense of, is our culture just? Is the world just? Are things just out there? Um, and then there's justice in the specific sense of this virtue, which obviously uh, doesn't relate to what somebody else is doing. It's what I'm doing. It's, it's my, whether or not I'm, practicing the virtue of just, whether or not I'm a just man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a sense in which we attend to the virtue of society, or I'm sorry, the justice of society. You know, is justice being done? Are the laws being upheld? Are, is thing, are things fair? Are contracts being being um, respected? You know, are, are children and parents and spouses, are they, are they, you know, are they, are they fulfilling their obligations and requirements? And that's important. But that's a little different than recognizing that no, I need to grow in the virtue of justice. And me practicing justice doesn't mean going out and saying, hey, you guys have to give me what's owed me. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Justice as a virtue for me is recognizing, no, no, what do I owe the other people I'm in relationship to? And again, as you point out, that begins with God. And, it be, and if we recognize God, or even if you don't specifically recognize God, I think there are people out there who recognize they don't know God or don't know God yet. But they recognize that their life is not something they made. They, they've received from the universe, from God, from their parents. They've received life, and that's a debt that can never be repaid. Mm-hmm. And so the only proper response is gratitude, is wonder, is awe, is reverence, is honor. Mm-hmm. You know, because when are you done thanking your parents for giving you life? 
you know, for raising you and bathing you and feeding you and teaching you, putting yeah, up with you. Yeah, and I, that really <laughs> is something that needs to be instilled. Yeah. We can't take that for granted because I know myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had this realization as I was a little older that like, oh, I didn't just pop into existence as a 12-year-old yeah. and started running my own life. Like these people like gave up their entire life so that I could exist. And now like as a mother, you know, I recognize that too. Um, but it is, it's important to, it's important that I instill in my children yeah. that they just didn't pop into existence as like fully functioning adults and go out yeah. and make their own way in the world. Like people sacrificed for them. Yeah. And we remember those people and um, we, we owe them yeah, uh, dignity and respect mm-hmm. and, so, you know, yeah, and going out, I'd say, you know, so thinking, rounding out this notion of justice, you know, if we think about it in terms of our life, it's like one of the duties of our life is precisely to, like, wake up, to be prudent, uh, aware that we live in relationship to other people, and then to try to seek out to understand what would it look like for me to live a just life? What would it look like to give God his due and my parents their due and my spouse, you know, to... to to um to honor the commitments i made to her or, or my children what they what's what, what's their their right as human beings that i brought into the world mm-hmm. etc and so forth so I, i'd say there are kind of three ways we we sort of grow in the virtue of justice and and this is just the way that i've articulated there's probably better ways to think through this i'm sure other writers out there or actual writers have things to say about this people probably does my the point is here though um what came to my mind was that first of all we grow in justice simply by becoming aware of these obligations and then going deeper into them. You know, we might begin, for instance, thinking in terms of like we might learn the Ten Commandments and that the Ten Commandments are all about justice, you know, mm-hmm. what to give to God, what to give to neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is to uh, to keep the Sabbath day holy. And you might start mm-hmm. out down the road of justice saying, well, do I do that? Do I keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, I don't technically go to work on Sunday and do my job. Although I check work emails all morning and I spend half the day thinking about it, et cetera, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you might start doing it in a kind of the minimal way. But one way of growing in justice is recognizing these obligations and, and beginning to chip away at what would it be like to give this duty its, its full engagement? What if I was really trying to make the Sabbath day not just minimally observed, but mm-hmm. holy? Yeah, I noticed it too with like um, dates or quality time, yeah. like quality time with you or quality time with the kids. Checking that box. Done, well, you know, but even something like my, is my phone intentionally away? Right. Am I thinking of all the things I have to cook for dinner or the fact that, you know, there are X number of things that I totally forgot I had until right this second, but I'm supposed to be right here playing with the kids or schooling with the kids, yeah. you know, like I, where's, where's my justice owed? Yeah. So that was a big thing that I, I could, it helped me make decisions yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Just being like, okay, where where is my current allegiance owed? (laughs) And is everything else that is not an emergency and immediate right now, is that put away even mentally right now so that I can be present to this moment that I've, I've said I'm going to give. Yeah. No, that's really good. Cause that's kind of the second point then. So another way of growing in justice, it seemed to me is that justice is hierarchical. You know, we have this, this, um, this complex of, of relations and duties to the other people, that we're in relationship with. Um, but those are in a, a certain order, right? God is first. We, we first have to get, give God what is his due. And we're not taking care of that. Well, we got to tend to that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, but then growing in justice is, is figuring out that hierarchy and, and slowly over the course of our life, putting it in order. 
oftentimes we recognize that we're doing good things in our life, but we're doing them in the wrong order, the wrong order of priority. Mm. You know, it's important to take care of your body. It's not more important to go to the gym than it is to go to, to mass on Sunday. Those have, those are both good things, but they're in, they're in, they're somewhere in this hierarchy of value. And we have to work that out, discern through that, figure out how, mm -hmm. how this, this intermeshed, um, um, yeah, the, the, these interconnections of our duty to other people, how they, how they stand yeah. in relation to one another. You made a, a huge, um, decision based on justice when, uh, we were living in another city kind right. of like away from our family um, mm -hmm. while you were getting your master's degree. And I, you know, I was floundering and I had postpartum depression and we had no babysitting and we had no money for babysitting. And um, you really had to look and say like, what, it, like, where is my vow? Right. And like, what does my family do? My family is not due this master's degree. My, you know, like I have to take care of my wife and my children and you moved us somewhere that was more convenient and really changed the course of our lives. Mm. Um, and so much good, you know, like you gave up yeah. a master's degree, but like so much good for your career and for your our community yeah. and our friendship came from it. Like God was faithful. Yeah. Um, but you reordered, you reordered it based on, on where your allegiance was due at that moment. You know, that's really interesting because uh, we have been like discovering this notion, playing with it throughout our married life long before I started reading about the virtues, you know, cause that's something we were always talking about. And in the early years of our marriage, we were, we were coming up against these decision points and recognizing that, um, I, maybe I desire to do X, Y, or Z, you know, but if I'm just honest with myself, if I'm prudent, I wasn't using that language, but if I'm prudent, if I'm, if I really turn to face reality, I have to put you first because I promised to, <laughs> I have to honor that vocation first. And then I have to trust that if I do that, that somehow God will make a way if I attend to first things first, second things second, third things third, and, and so forth. But if you put them out of order, then you end up, as, as Lewis says, if you put second things first, you destroy both of them. Mm -hmm. You mess them both up because you're not walking with God at that point. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. It's what that, but we were talking about that book, uh, Jennifer Fulweiler's... Um, One Beautiful Dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's like this narrative tale of someone working through that. It's a great book. Yeah. I highly recommend checking that out. So that's I guess the, the third way of growing in justice, and this is just kind of leads us into the other two cardinal virtues, is just that as you grow in virtue as a whole, you are able to fulfill uh, justice in your life, not just um, because it's your duty, but because it's your joy. Mm -hmm. You know, the more that, and that's the point of growing in virtue, is that we're not just doing these things once or twice, but we recognize the good, we practice it, and over time we become different kinds of people. Yeah. And we, I think we become different kinds of people because we realize the bounty that God is trying to pour down yeah. onto us through our lives. You know, the, the, the one time you make a chink and you decide that you are going to order something rightly for God. Yeah. It's like a deluge that you could never possibly envision. Like there are so many times in our lives where we have tried hard to make a good decision and thinking like, I, I know that I can't, I'm going to break my conscience if I don't make this particular decision. Like I will be going against my conscience the way that it's informed. And then just trusting. And then if you had sat me down in a room and I had tried to come up with 30 different ways that this could go right, I could have never come up with mm -hmm. the scenario that God 
put together in our lives. Um, you know, so it does then become your joy because then you realize that God really is in control and he really is faithful <laughs> to his promises and to his punishments. You know, I mean, that's yeah. part of justice. Like you, God is faithful to his punishments too. Keep his word. Yeah. If, if he wasn't, if he didn't keep his word, he'd be inconsistent. You can't really trust someone mm-hmm. who, who says one thing and does another, you know, God is, you know, like Lewis is Aslan. You know who's who's showing us a, an image of Christ. He's not a tame lion. He's fierce. He's just, but he's good. You can trust God because he's good, but you can't tame him. <laughs> like he will do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. But the way that you articulated all that that leads us well into the next one. And so we've got prudence at the top. You know, at the top of this structure, prudence attends to justice. Then we have these twin pillars of temperance and fortitude. Fortitude is also called courage. And that's the more the, the more common word, but um, uh, fortitude or courage is precisely what you said. Once we recognize the just thing, once we've again th- with our through our reason we've uh, faced reality, we've recognized our duty, and we uh, try to do it. When we encounter danger or fear, something some external threat, when our duty is hard to do, that's when courage comes into play. Courage is doing the hard right thing, even though it's hard. Because it's right, um, and and it, it like a pillar again. These these uh, fortitude and temperance they sort of protect prudence and justice. You know, prudence and justice give us the content of what we're to do with our lives, but then courage and temperance are about carrying it out well. Um, so again, uh, fortitude or courage, um, Peeper identifies. There's kind of two aspects of, of courage. There's sort of the endurance aspect, enduring difficulty, mm-hmm. pain, fear. There's the attack aspect. I've got this hard project and I just need to start, you know, but those are yeah, both. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a procrastinator and yeah, sometimes it takes the most courage to be yeah. like, I'm going to start this. Yeah. <laughs> someone came up with the, I don't know who the author was, but someone came up with the idea of eating the frog. Oh yeah. You get up every morning and oh, you eat yeah. the frog. And I've talked to the kids about this. And That's they, what they we do at the it. dinner table. Yeah. The kids are like, I ate the frog. Yeah, it it means, means they ate the scariest <laughs> thing on their plate first. Yeah, start with the hard thing. <laughs> Knock it out. Kill that giant first. And then yeah. go on with the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's great now, practice. Now, what happens <laughs> if you think you're being courageous, but you don't have prudence or you're not exercising prudence? Because sometimes yeah. I think, especially among Christians, they think that any time you open your mouth for the sake of the gospel, you're being courageous. Oh, but good. sometimes you open your mouth for the sake of the gospel and you're being a resounding gong or, <laughs> or whatever. Says, like yeah. it's your your words are pointless. And I think sometimes it, it could be a misunderstanding yeah. or a misapplication of courage. No, that's huge. And again, this is why in that we spent that long, long last episode talking about prudence and, you know, who knows how well we've done. We haven't watched it yet, you know, but, but the point is there's a reason why Peeper and St. Thomas, who he's, he's drawing from, made such a big deal about prudence coming first because the other cardinal virtues are not virtues unless they are first prudent. Prudence is the mother and mold. And what does that mean? It means, it means that our, our courage has to be informed by reason, by what's right and good and just. Otherwise, it's not courage. I mean, if we think about movies we've watched, you know, uh, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, perhaps, you know, is he, by temperament, is he a naturally, naturally courageous person? Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of fear. He will get into a fight and punch somebody in the face at the, at the blink of an eye. Does that mean he's courageous in the sense of being virtuous? No. He's an idiot. <laughs> he doesn't care what the right thing is to do. He just does what he wants all the time. 
It's not courage as a virtue. It's not a moral thing. It's not a right thing unless it is first prudent. Courage has to depend on prudence. You know, we, we, we have to figure out first what is the right thing to do. And then, and then on the other hand, you can figure out what's the right thing to do and then you can fail to be courageous, certainly. But it has to be, you know, prudence is that discernment process. It's walking with the Holy Spirit. It's engaging your reason. It's looking at reality. And sometimes it's even, when it's not clear, it's even asking God, what is the right thing here to do? And once you see it, you go after it. But courage must be informed by prudence or it's not courage. It's not a virtue. It's not moral. It, and, and it gets into trouble. I mean, we see that all the time. Again, people who they may tell themselves, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm such a courageous person standing up for the truth. When they're doing lots of imprudent things, maybe they're avoiding their work and spending all their time on social media. Maybe they're getting in fights with their neighbors. Maybe they're doing all kinds of dumb things because, again, courage depends on prudence for it to be a virtue. Yeah. So that's one pillar. <laughs> it's courage. And the other pillar here that, that again, supports and protects and guards uh, prudence and justice is temperance. So if we think of courage sort of guarding us uh, against external threats, these, these uh, external forces that might um, uh, push us to not do our duty, you know, f- things that cause us fear or threaten us in some way, temperance uh, deals with our inner life, the life of our emotions and our passions. Uh, which sort of sort of press outward. You know, we are we are uh, embodied creatures as humans. Uh, we have desires for food and drink and pleasure and sex and um, you know social uh, recognition um, and lots of other things. And temperance means that th- recognizing those those desires are good in so far as they have a purpose, but it's putting order in them. It's 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 tempering them. I love to. Uh, well, you like we both like the uh, the Greek image of the the charioteer and yeah. the horses, right? Yeah. You know the Greeks use this image um, of you know you're a charioteer and your passions are horses, and they're unruly, right? Sometimes the horses you know want to go over here and eat the grass, or go over there to the well, or or go over yonder because there's a bunch of lady horses down there, you know. <laughs> but um, now, what's the remedy for that? You, you don't kill off the horses, right? You, that's not that doesn't solve your problem because then you have a non-functioning chariot that you have to pull along by yourself. No, you need to, you need to temper the horses. You have to, you have to direct and order them. You have to train them so that they go in the right direction so that they obey prudence. And I think this is one of the, the crucial keys of the whole structure of the cardinal virtues is that most of the time we go through our lives letting the horses lead the chariot. I get up in the morning and, oh, I feel like eating. Oh, I guess I'll eat. Oh, I feel like watching TV. Oh, I guess I'll watch TV. You know, oh, I feel like doing this. I'll do that. We let our passions guide us. And even with good things, like, I, I, oh, I feel like getting on the internet and seeing what's going on in the world right now. Oh, I guess I'll just do that. Oh, this person's saying something wrong on the internet. Oh, I better correct him. And even if we maybe get a momentary sense that uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, we, we become convicted in our passion. That this is something I really want to do. This is the right thing. This is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And our prudence kind of comes along for the ride. Yeah, so we are emotional people, and some of us are extremely passionate people. <laughs> um, so how can you tell if you have an issue with temperance uh-huh. as opposed to you just have emotions? Yeah. Well, I think it's helpful in, in like in an exam to think back, in like what are the recurring situations I get into? Um, when do my desires get me in trouble? You know, uh, when do they lead me to waste time or to overindulge or... Um, or another way to think of it is, you know, what are the situations in my life where um, I feel a sense of injury 
when something is taken from me or when when my plans are frustrated that's yeah. those are good clues as to you know where areas where your desires are not ordered they're not brought in under under reason yeah there's something i can't think of it it's like on the tip of my tongue that yeah. i get injured mm-hmm. when i don't get yeah. <laughs> like when the kids thwart me for this particular thing, actually, well, this isn't it, but like my quiet time. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you have a day where like all the kids are supposed to go to bed and at least afford you a five minute, 10 minute block yeah. of quiet time and they don't. Yeah. Um, it like, it ruins my day. Yeah. 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 So again, as we've said, people make such a big point of this, you know, that prudence is, is the, is the mother Prudence is the pilot. It's the head of this structure. Um, oftentimes, our passions lead us around uh, selecting what what it is we want to do, and then I mean, you've heard. I mean, we use the term like reason versus rationalization. Well, what's mm-hmm. rationalization? That's when you've already decided what you want to be, what you want to do, what you want to believe, and then you're you're kind of disingenuously using your reason to try to come up with reasons why it's the right thing to do. Mm. Well, that's what happens when your passions are leading you mm-hmm. and your reasons just kind of coming along for the ride. And it's supposed to be the other way around. Your reason is to direct your will and your will are then to order and direct your passions. That's the structure. That's the flow. That's the cascade. Mm-hmm. And when it's in order, good things happen. We're able to walk with God. We're able to walk uprightly. Um, but when we don't, uh, when we're not engaging our prudence, again, our passions, which are good things, mm-hmm. get us into all kinds of trouble. You know, you know this may be taking our episode on a little jog, but, um, I was thinking about how important it is to, to be engaging or like using prudence, um, before you get yourself too far into a situation. I was thinking about this particularly in the area of red tape, which is kind of random, (laughs) but sometimes like, especially, um, right now while while institutions are trying to deal with like all these new regulations with the coronavirus, um, you know, schools. I'll just pick schools. Sure. Um, they're trying to like put all these things into place, but then once you start to put all these things into place, it becomes yours. Mm-hmm. It becomes something that you have worked hard at, you have done. Uh-huh. And now, even if you're looking at it and you're saying this was imprudent, this was a bad idea, you can't undo it because you've really invested yourself yeah, and you have solved bias. this problem. Yeah. And, um, sunk cost. people do this sometimes when they get into relationships, when they like give a guy a chance that they shouldn't have given the chance (laughs) to, and then they find themselves in like a six month, two year, you know, relationship that they should have never been in to begin with. And they should have listened to that little thing. That's like, you know, this guy has tons of qualities that would just be really bad for me (laughs) and for our situation. But he, I just got to give him a, just give him a chance. You know, I, I've heard that. I heard that so many times yeah. at the bar, you know, like just give him a chance. You know, what, mm-hmm. what is one date going to do? Mm-hmm. But you know, like when you go against prudence and you get, you, yeah. you start going down that direction, it's now yours Yeah, and it's really hard to get out of. Yeah. Prudence and conscience are very closely connected. They, they may be, mm-hmm. one may be a component of the other. It's, you know, but yeah, we do have that situation sometimes when we know that this is not quite right. And it may it may be right, but it's just not the right timing. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that's the case. It's like, oh, I just, I really should sleep on this, but I want to do it yeah. right now. You we, know? we ran into that in our marriage a few times mm-hmm. where I'd look at like, I'll use one particular decision, okay? <laughs> when you wanted to bring up like 200 blocks 
from the basement into the toy room. Oh, building blocks. Building blocks, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what kind of blocks we were talking about here, yeah. <laughs> and I, I knew that they were going to be all over the floor all the time. And I was yes. like three, I was like in the third trimester of pregnancy, unable to pick up these blocks and they hurt when you step on them. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know what? We'll just try it. I'm sure he'll, he'll see that it's a really bad idea. And then like six months later, after we have already had a baby and like every time I walk into that room and pick up the blocks, I'm hating you. And we ended up getting into this huge fight like months. No, no. But like months later and here I thought I was doing the the heroic virtuous thing by just saying like, I'm not going to broach this subject right now. Yeah. We'll just see how it goes. Right. I knew it was a bad idea and it turned into like passive aggressiveness. Well, on my side, again, this is this is a familiar thing now. And I want to talk about this in a moment more. In terms of like how we maybe work this into an examine, um, an examination of conscience, a daily sort of thing. But in my case, it's a familiar thing now. For some reason, when it comes to home projects, like this is a huge uh, area of temptation for me. Whenever I, I finally get around to a home project, I, I tend to, I tend to procrastinate on them. And then when I finally get around to them, I become super intemperate. I'm like. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it now and I'm going to do it hard and everyone just stay over there. I'm going to be here for the next two and a half days until this is done. You know, when I should have stepped back and said, is this a good weekend? For th- no, this is not a good weekend at all for this. Do I have time for this? No. Am I prepared? No. Have I gone to the store, got the materials yet? No, I probably should break this into pieces, but I just, I get excited about the project and I want to get it done. And so I do a lot of dumb things. And so I recognize now this, like the feeling when, oh yeah, there it is. I'm, I'm getting it. I got I to gotta calm down, back up, and be prudent here. Yeah, I remember one time you took all the puzzle pieces and put them in, or puzzles, and put them yeah. into our pantry board games and puzzles. <laughs> yeah. And I like... Folks, I, folks, I, I, I reorganized the pantry in our house like, without consulting my I wife. I can't yeah. lose any more space in the kitchen oh, to board games, honey. And he's yeah. like, it you know like what? A great I knew idea it was time. wrong. I knew you weren't going to like prudent. it when I did it. I didn't ask whether it was prudent or not, yeah. But that, again, it, it is a great example that you bring up, which is just that we have these – and it's different for everyone. That's what's interesting too about both courage and temperance is that your life of courage and your life of temperance is completely relative to you and mine to me in the sense of there are things that scare you, that intimidate you, that, that you want to avoid that I don't have a problem with at all in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, you love making phone calls and talking to people. I, I hate phone calls. So, like, there, there's an issue where it's a, it's a matter of courage for me to find, to, oh, I'm going to buckle it on, I'm just going to do it, where it's not a big deal for you. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with temperance. Like, every individual human person has a temperament, has different desires, different passions. They're attracted to different things. And so their working out of, of the virtues of courage and temperance are different and unique to them. And that's important because sometimes we can look at another person and be like, oh, they are so, uh, or I'm so much more temperate in them because look at, they're eating all the cheesecake and I'm not eating any cheesecake. I don't even like cheesecake, <laughs> which means I have no temperance in regard to cheesecake. I just don't like it. I do the same with social yeah. media yeah. where I feel like well, this person took a stand for right. this thing and it came out really great and it touched a lot of people. I should take a stand. Yeah. And then I'm like, Teresa, you post baby pictures on Facebook. No one is expecting you to come out and like take a stand for anything on your social media. Right. People expect you to have a discussion with them in real. Like, I don't have expectation. Like, I'm yeah. not a public person. I'm not a person who puts my stuff out there all the time. Mm-hmm. So why should I get on my Facebook and take right. a stand? Well, and you brought it up earlier too. That I think it's a common situation, and it's important in this age of media. Uh, we can sometimes think tell ourselves we're being very courageous when actually we're being intemperate. Frequently, I think this is the case. So 
I can be, I know I have this proclivity. I can be intemperate when it comes to conversation or wanting to stay informed about the news. Um, so like I have this desire to surf the internet when I should be working. Mm -hmm. I have the desire to tell people on the internet why they're wrong when I should be working or playing with my kids. And are those good things? Yeah, maybe. But are they, is it just for me to do those? Are they my responsibility? Are those responsibilities in their proper place and hierarchy in my life? And the vast majority of the time, the answer is no. And so, again, the, the, they, these, when we understand these, they help us look at our life and recognize, I mean, I might have been fooling myself, myself a lot about my virtues and vices because I was looking at somebody else and presuming to know them and compare myself to them. Mm -hmm. You know, but what are my, well, and this gets us into the, I mean, we want to wrap this up in terms of kind of a practical note. And I, what we thought was, let's think of it in terms of a day. You know, our day-to-day so -day life. How do we live the cardinal virtues tomorrow, like yeah. when we start our day tomorrow? How do we begin that? And I think, you know, the first thing that came to our mind is just thinking in terms of a typical day, particularly the bookends of the day are great places to start, you know, mm -hmm. like, like the morning time. Yeah. So yeah. we get up, we should actually do an entire episode on this, but we yeah. get up obscenely early. Yeah. Okay. We have five kids and I love sleep. I need sleep. Mm -hmm. I am not a happy person when I don't sleep. We specifically don't co-sleep with our children yeah. because I need sleep to be a functioning, happy, kind, <laughs> not angry person. But another thing that I need yeah. <laughs> to be a functioning, not angry person is I need to get up before the children. Yeah. If I wake up and the kids are already in my bedroom or they're already in my face asking for stuff and that's how I wake up, we right. are going to have a bad, bad day. Yeah. You know, so we get up at like four, sometimes 435 in the morning. Um, and, and that's just us. Yeah. I mean, that's not gonna be the same for everyone, but in our case, the point is, is we looked at our mornings and we said what we normally were doing, which is mm -hmm. we normally didn't get up with our alarms and we'd always wake up, be woken up by the kids. You know, the sun's already out. The kids yeah. are already hungry. Yeah. And then we're kind of stumbling, you know, punch drunk into our day and like, wow, it's <laughs> no really plan. hard to be prudent right now. There's like, no plan. And like all of a sudden, like all the things we have to do today, like schedule wise, just come crashing down yeah. upon us. And we're like, oh my gosh, we have to do, yeah. but we can just cut all of that out by waking up early and it's hard. And it yeah. does mean we go to bed earlier. Right. You know, we rarely stay up past 11 o'clock now, but like it it makes all the difference in ter in terms of whether or not i can actually think i can be prudent in the moment and think yeah. about how i'm going to react um a couple uh just quick uh suggestions if you want to try to wake up early in the morning um my favorite suggestion <laughs> is setting a second alarm clock outside <laughs> the baby's this room. This is if you have like a level it's like level 1 alarm clock is not working. This is like threat level midnight. <laughs> and that's foreshadowing. We have an office episode coming up. <laughs> um yeah, so if you have if you happen to have a baby or children that you don't want waking up, set you your alarm clock 1 minute later outside of their room and you will jump out of bed. <laughs> to turn off that yes. alarm clock yeah um yeah yeah well so <laughs> <laughs> whatever that time is for you and also like if oh. you have kids yeah. like we have five kids now it is expensive to get a babysitter yeah i can't spend money to get two hours worth of me time but mm -hmm. if i wake up in the morning it's like free babysitting right yeah so it's I'm just a, saying it's a good strategy i'm always looking for more babysitting time I mean, the broad point though is just that when you think of it you're more like that's how you start the day and you want to start the day right. You want to start the day prudent. You want to start the day calm. With a right 
response to turning towards reality. Yeah. You want to turn towards reality. You can't do that if you're groggy and the kids are already in your face. Yeah. You also recognize, you know, if prudence turns toward just, towards justice and you recognize that your first duty in life is to, uh, is to worship and to serve and to come to know and love God. And that if you don't put that first, everything else is going to fall apart. I mean, if we, if we believe that, if we take that seriously, then we have to make sure that that time for God is not just on the to-do list for some time of the day. It has to have a place of prominence. Mm -hmm. It has to have, be something that we don't miss. And so this is why many people, and we're included in this, we, we, ha we get up early so that we're, we're making sure that the, we start the day making sure that that happens. That we, happens. We, yeah, we spend time in presence of God. You know, we have different prayers we do or different ways we go about that. But the point is we start out placing ourselves in the presence of God, turning to reality and looking at the day from that vantage point of, of a, pl a place of a little bit of relative calm, even if, even if it's temporary, yeah. it's a little Before bit. Before we started doing this, I yeah. went maybe two or three years with only being able to do spontaneous prayers. And then like every once in a while, I'd be able to actually sit down yeah. and pray. Yeah. Because there just was no, with little ones, there was just no space. Like I was running frantic from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. Mm -hmm. um, and then at the end of the day, I was just so tired. I couldn't stay awake, right. you know? And so waking up early, just it, it just totally changed yeah. our entire life. And then to bookend the day, something that I'm still really struggling with. And my spiritual director is always like, you got to do an examine. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do an examine. So at the end of the day... Um, an examine. Yeah. And we're familiar with the notion of an examination of conscience. And we probably have heard it suggested to us from spiritual writers or our, our priest or whoever that we should do it at the end of the day. But I think in the context of the cardinal virtues, it suddenly becomes a whole lot more practical and and crucial because we recognize that, I don't remember who said this, and I think I've quoted it before, but it's something to the effect of, sow an action, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the habits that we're building every day. Every time we take an action, if we're being prudent in that action, just, courageous, temperate, we're building the virtues that are going to carry us forward. We're either building virtue or we're building vice with everything we do. And so we, we run this schedule every day. We get up, we have a new day. God's given us a new day and we make a plan. That's part of prudence. It says in Proverbs, the prudent man looks ahead and we do our best to be virtuous throughout the day. But then there has to be a moment where we stop, we pause again and we look back and we say, okay, what happened? Mm -hmm. You know, there was a while where I was really struggling with like, uh, being frantic mm. and pain. I mean, I, I always kind of struggle with it, but like, um, this particular time and I actually set an alarm for once an hour Yeah, and I thought it was going to be too much. And just once an hour to, to check in and say, right. like, how did this hour go? Yeah. Where am I? You know, like, what, where, like, where's my soul right, right. now? It, right. It, essentially, that's it. And I knew that if I added anything else to it, if I said, like, I'll stop and say Hail Mary or Glory Be, I knew it wouldn't work. Yeah. But I, and I would just hit the, hit the hour button. Like, once it, it went off, I would just hit it again. So it was yeah. already restarting. And I could not believe how efficacious that was. Yeah. For that day, just to be like, where's my soul right now? Yeah, it reminds me of, I think St. Saint, Saint Ignatius talks about something like that. Like, a, mm. I think he calls it a specific examine where you pick, you know, a vice you're wrestling with, mm. you know, anger or impatience or, or someone might have lust or gluttony or whatever it might be. But you pick one and you really 
keep that with you throughout the day, and you're and you're really focusing on that. You're really mm-hmm. being mindful of your heart, where your mind is. And in this case, it's a great temporary strategy. Like, yeah, set set an alarm if you're really working on on a vice. You want to catch it before it's already happened. Mm-hmm. You want to notice what's happening in your heart, your emotions, your thought patterns. And so to just have this check-in point throughout the day, if you're working on a specific thing, it could be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, particularly in the, in the exam at the end of the day, we want to look back and ask ourselves good questions about the day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, One of my favorite questions yeah. to ask is, what was I afraid of? Like when you look mm. back and you look at the negative things, what yeah. was I afraid of? Yeah. Yeah, that always brings a ton of fruit. Yeah, what led up to that? You know, what what was going on in my heart? Like what what did I think was going to happen when I got angry? What did right. I think was going to happen when I was just so was I like couldn't calm down? Yeah. You know. Failures in courage or failures in temperance, they tend to be recurring situations. Mm-hmm. So in temperance, you know, what are the where are the recurring situations in my life where my desires get me in trouble? Where mm-hmm. I, I keep doing the same thing, even though I wish I would stop doing that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I suddenly recognize not just a, that it's a failure in temperance, but it's a recurring scenario. Now I can, I can make a different plan. I can plan what to do next time I get in that scenario. You know, like a long time ago, um, back in my teens, when I and other, other men in my youth group were struggling with, um, with you know, purity and chastity and our thoughts, stuff like that. I remember one of the priests, you know, made the suggestion you know, whenever you, whenever you're in a situation, and the, and there's a girl, you know, and you have a moment of a temptation to look or to lust, pray a hail mary for that person. Mm-hmm. So now I have a plan. I'm gonna. I have to go out. I can't stay in my room and just leave the world because I have a difficulty with this temptation. Now I have a plan. If I'm going through my life and there's that temptation, I'm I'll, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna strike back. You know, God God was preparing you for me. Yes. He, he had you in mind. Yes. My grandpa, so my mom's dad, yeah. um, he worked at a factory uh-huh. his whole life. Whole life worked at a factory, retired from that factory. Mm-hmm. And he, guys would, you know, say things in the locker room or mm-hmm. like show him pictures of girly pictures, whatever, back in the 60s, whatever that was. And he, ha- he kept a picture of Our Lady and St. Therese yeah. in his locker. And right. he would just turn his head. He would just turn his head and say a prayer. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, well, yeah. I love you. it's good advice <laughs> I received a long time ago, you know, but it's, it's there in the, uh, the act of contrition we say in, in confession, right? We say, I, I resolve to not sin, to avoid sin, but also to avoid the near occasions of sin, which that's prudence. That's when we look back through our day or through our week and say, oh, over and over, I'm hitting this rough spot. Well, I need to either avoid that rough spot or I need to have a plan about how to, otherwise the same thing is going to keep happening. I need to have a different plan, mm-hmm. you know? And again, this is why prudence is, is the driver here. Um, yeah. um, another thing uh, we were thinking as we were, we were talking about daily examples is um, using your downtime for something that refreshes you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed Connected to, to temperance here. Yeah. Particularly, yeah. Well, just like, um, you know, our time is precious and yeah. we need it. It is just for us to yeah, have. It's prudent and just for us to, to rest <laughs> and relax. Right. But I noticed I had started getting like really like I would hit all my checklists on my to-do list in the ha- first half of the day. Yeah. And then after nap time, it was like anything else that was on my to-do list. I just, I, I couldn't even find my to-do list anymore. Yeah. You know, and I kept saying like, why is it that as soon as I have quiet time, 
the whole rest of my day. Like it's just gone. And you said to me, you were like, maybe it's the way you spend your quiet time. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, because we both have this problem. You know, when we, when we tend to, we're, we're overwhelmed and we're like, well, we need a date night. We need to relax and reconnect and recharge. Let's get chicken so, wings so we, and watch The Office. So we get chicken wings <laughs> and we stay up late and we rewatch the, the Office for the, like the ninth or tenth time at this point. I'm sure it's more. And it's a lot of fun. But we also wake up the next morning and we've blown through the alarms and we're groggy and we didn't sleep well because there's too many chicken wings. And, and the point was... You know, we did we need a rest? Did we need to recharge? Did we need to reconnect with each other? Yeah, it was just and right and prudent for us to do that. But then our desires guided what we selected. Yeah, date for that. night just means we get to eat the thing indulge, we want. splurge, yeah. rather than saying no. What we should do, you know, maybe we have a little treat, but we sit and we talk, yeah, and we listen, and maybe we read a book together. We do something that really, when we got done with it, we wouldn't regret having done it. <laughs> You know, I don't know. We looked at old pictures from my childhood the other day, and I'm pretty sure you regretted doing that. Well, that was a little bit of an act of courage, you know, to sit through that. I I was watching your face. Yeah, you were definitely like being heroic. But that's again, that's the the horses, right? The horses of our passion. Sometimes we recognize that, man, I ought to enjoy this. This is a good (laughs) thing. I should, I, in fact, I should be. My answer when asked to do this should be yes, dear. I would, I would gladly do that. But I, I am a work in progress. <laughs> Those horses are kind of unruly. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's probably probably good for now. Uh, thanks, babe. That was, yeah. was fun talking about my favorite topic. Thank you, thank you for indulging me. I really appreciate it. I'm very intemperate when it comes to the cardinal virtues. He is. Yeah, he I'm will talk about it. them even when it. people have their fingers in their ears yes. and are saying, I'm done. So... <laughs> I will make an act of temperance and bring it to a close here. But thank you so much for uh, joining us again for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, with my wife, Teresa. And I want to tell you about a couple things before you head out. And that is if you like this show and you like what we're doing here on Awaken Catholic, you can be part of, of Awaken Catholic. You can um, join the Awaken Nation. Um, what's the Awaken Nation? It's a group of people like you who, through one time or recurring donations, support this work, make it possible. Um, and another way you can support us, if you go to the website, you can you can join the Awaken Nation. But you'll also find there on the website a really cool partnership that Awaken has with the Hallow app. And if you go to hallow.app slash awaken, or if you just go to the Awaken Catholic uh, website, you'll see a link there. And it's a really cool app for, for uh, Christian Catholic meditation, um, guided meditations. There's all kinds of variety on there. Um, and it's a really neat function. If you can pick a time and the person kind of guides you through and it's a great, I use it in the mornings when I wake up and I'm a little too tired to direct myself through prayer. I turn one of these on and it talks me through, gives me moments of silence. It brings me back when I'm falling asleep. And it's a great way to practice mental prayer, being in the presence of God, but to have this nice little tool to help you out. So Free 30 days of that if you go uh, hallow.app slash awaken, and we really appreciate your support. So once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. We had a good time. We hope you did too, and we'll see you next time. God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. 
We here at Awaken all use Hello every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.